don't normally do. I'm going to talk to dads and fathers today. And, uh, you know, I think last Father's Day, last year, I talked about the Father God because He's our Heavenly Father. And today, I just, you know, I, I sat down last night and, and uh, just kind of, just let the Holy Ghost kind of take me to what scriptures I need to do today. And I kind of was wondering, why are you taking me to the scriptures I'm going to? But uh, when we get through here, you'll, you'll find out why, I'm sure. And, uh, but we want to open our Bibles, first of all, to uh, Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 1. Ephesians 5, 1. And uh, I'm going to read it. Uh, I'm going to read it in the New King James, and I'm also Billy going to read it in the uh, Amplified, and I'm also going to read it in the Message. And uh, so I'm going to let you punch up the Message in. Or well, both you can do them all. And it's good to have Billy back up there. Praise God on the on the on the on the projectors. Praise God. You know, there's in a car wreck. She broke her wrist, and and it's already healed up. Glory to God. The bone's already healed, and and uh, a miracle that they didn't have a tremendous, terrible. Uh, injuries and all, but God. But God literally stepped in. Amen. In verse uh, 1 of Ephesians 5, 1 says, Therefore, New King James says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The Amplified reads like this, Therefore, be imitators of God, copy Him, and follow His example as well-beloved children imitate their Father. And walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a slain offering sacrifice to, uh, and sacrifice to God for you uh, so that it become a sweet fragrance. And uh, the message Bible, punch that up there. I'm going to read them all and then I'll, I'll elaborate on them. It says, uh, watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of Himself to us. Love like that. And you know, I want to talk about how God has set parents as examples. He's an example to us, and we learn from Him, and we pattern our lives after Him. But I just want all of us dads, and moms too, by the way, but this, I, I preached on mothers last, last month. I want to talk to dads this month. And I'm telling you, we got to realize that our children are, are going to, uh, they're going to be following our examples for the most part. Do you know that? I remember when little Randy was a little bitty boy, and, and I tell you what, if I walked outside and spit, you know what he did? He spit with me. Whatever I did, he did. What I mean, whatever I was doing, he would do. And you had to be careful what you said because they would repeat it. Has anybody been embarrassed by their kids before? Because they say something to somebody that you said about them, and you say, oh, no. What are you going to say? I didn't do it. And so he's telling us, he said, as, 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 as children of God, we imitate God and pattern our life after Him. And therefore, we as parents and we as fathers, we need to take in consideration that our kids are actually watching us. And God wants us to be an example to our children. And listen, I'm talking here, I'm mo- most likely every person, every dad in here is a Christian man today. 
He's in this house, born again, saved, serving God, probably filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you something, there are things that we need to be imparting to our kids. There's things that they need to be seeing in our lives that will cause them to follow God all their life. Amen. Isn't that the whole purpose? We want our kids to be better than we are. We want our kids to do more than we did. And we want our kids to have an acceleration in their fellowship with God. Amen. And so uh, love is one of, a very important part of who God is. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, For he who does not love does not know God, for God is what? God is love. Did you know God wants that same love to be displayed in our homes, in our families, towards our children, towards our wives, towards our families? He wants His love to be on display in your house. I'm going to say it again. He wants His love to be on display in your house. Huh? Now, I'm listen, one thing about it, the Bible, when the Bible's talking to us, He's not pa- talking to perfect people. Because there's not a perfect person in this house. There was only one person, perfect person that ever lived on the planet and walked on the planet. And how many knows who that was? Who was it? It was Jesus. And I'm telling you, we are, we are copies of Jesus, but let, yet we're still living a, a flesh that's capable of messing up and making mistakes. But the thing about it is, we need to understand there's a blood that covers those. There's a confession that causes them to be completely wiped out. Amen? And so God wants His households to be loving, caring, productive households. Because let me tell you something. If you think you care about your kids, God cares about them a whole lot more. He cares about them a whole lot more. And the one thing about it, we can't be everywhere they are, but God is everywhere they are. And they need to understand that, and they need to know the love of God. And I always believe this. I believe they need to know. Here's what it is. God, your children, sees what's important to you. And what's important to you will become important to them. Somebody help me just a little bit more. Oh, me, help me, Jesus, something like that. And look at Ephesians. I want to go back to Ephesians. This ain't going to be a marriage counseling session right here, but I, I read this passage of Scripture at every wedding I do. And uh, now understand, wives, you, you're in this, but I'm not talking. Well, I might be talking to y'all a little more than you think, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm working on the husbands. Ephesians 5.22. And it starts out, wives... Got any wives in the house? I heard a good amen and some of them. Huh? Well, we got wives and, and husbands in here. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Who said that? There you go, Nikki. It says, for the husband is the... Now, I'm not, I'm not going to elaborate on the wife's part today. I'm going to elaborate on the husband's part today because I done worked on the wives. You still need to work on them a little bit more. I just want you to know. I'm just kidding. Don't y'all get mad and run out of here. I'm just kidding. Y'all all right? <laughs> For the husband is the head of the wife. As also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. The Bible says the head, the, the husband is the head. And sometimes we think, don't realize our responsibilities as husbands. We have a headship role in the house. 
a headship role. Did you know when it comes right down to it? Now, I know there's mothers that serve God without the dads that, that don't serve God. You have to do your part. You have to step up. You have to take their place. You have to, you have to, uh, uh, raise your children and do what you're supposed to do, bring them to church and all such as that. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a day that husband's going to stand before God for his family. Why? Because they're the head. They're the head. Uh, sometimes people hate to think that the husband is the head of the house. Huh? It's like God had, was up in heaven and all the, uh, the, all these men was up there and God said, okay, I want everybody that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that your wife can run, runs a house. I want you in this side line. And everybody that's the head of your house in this line. And the line was way long on that side, uh, this side, but when the head, there was one person standing in the line with the head of the house. Now I'm not knocking you women. Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a joke. Okay. I think it's a joke. I don't have been in heaven yet. And he said, well, praise God, we got one person here that said, he said, sir, why are you in this line? He said, I don't know. My wife told me to get over here. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But here's the deal. He said, the husband is the head of the, and you know, we can look up all the things and find out what does the head mean and and what it is. And and so I I looked up, let me, let me throw this in here. I looked up uh, uh, in the Greek, the concordance, what that word head means. And uh, here's what I found in the Greek concordance. Y'all ready for this? You're just going to get one of the most... You're going to walk out of here and say, Woo, my God, I just got a revelation on the head. Here's what it said. It's... I can't pronounce the word, but anyway. I'm going to read exactly what it says. It says from the primary, capto, in the sense of seizing, the head as the part most readily taken hold of, literally or figuratively, the head. That's all it said. I'm thinking, i got to have some more information than that, God. The head, if you looked at the fathers or the, the heads of the tribes in Israel, it meant the rulers. But the thing about it again is, then I went, went to look to, at the Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, which I use all the time because he, he does a lot of definitions in there for the words in the Bible and give you scriptures on there. And so it says this. Here's what it says for the head in the Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. It says, a chief. You men like that yet? You got your squaw next to you. Now don't get mad, I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought, I like that. And then it says, a principal person, a leader, a commander. He said, here you go, mama. I'm going to do me some commanding. I tell you what, if we start commanding the devil to do some things and leave our house and all, we make things a whole lot better. I believe more than anything, we need to be commanding the principalities and powers that they can't dominate and rule our families, amen? And be a commander in that way. Listen, I don't believe God intended for us to put a, uh, beat our wives down and stuff like this because listen to me, God loves marriage. He loves the family. And he says, I'm going to have a man that's going to be somebody that steps up to the plate and leads that family, leads them spiritually, leads them in the other aspects of life. Anyway, it says one who has the first rank or place. The first rank or place. Now don't, don't go home and use this against your wife. I mean, you, you step up and let her start seeing some things, I guess. It says the husband is the head of the wife, also as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. It's, what is Christ? Christ is our ruler. 
He's our head. He's the principal person in our lives. In fact, if you call him Lord, you're saying you're the supreme in authority over my life. Is that's what you're telling him when you call him Lord. And so it goes on to say, verse 24, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, you, we can read that. And marriage is, how many knows, it's, it's, it's usually marriage comes before the babies or the kids. And the thing about it is, he said, listen, the, the wives are to be subject to their own husbands uh, uh, in everything. And listen, I, I think people have, men have abused this. I found out more men knows that scripture than any other scripture in the Bible. Woman, you submit to me. You got to submit. Come on, you're going to go do this or do that. Listen, God does never intend for no woman, no woman of God, no daughter of God to submit to sin because you want her to. They are to submit to the kindness and the goodness of God Almighty and the things that pertain to godliness. Is anybody in the house? Hallelujah. That's like, uh, I can never forget uh, Smith Wigglesworth's wife. What was her name? Ru- uh, Rosie? Ruby? or it, Neither one of them, I know, because it don't sound right. But anyway, y'all, anybody know who Smith Wigglesworth is? A documented 20-something people raised from the dead in his ministry. And, uh, and anyway, she was going to church. Well, he wasn't saved. And he told her one day, he said, uh, he called her by name and said, uh, Polly. That is it, Polly. I, was, I looked close, wasn't I? I was way off. And he told her one day, he said, don't go to church. She said, I'm going to church. She said, if, you go, if you go to church, I'm going to lock you out of the house. And she said, well, Smith, you're my husband. He's my Lord, and I'm going to church. And so she went to church, and, and uh, she went to church and come back. Sure enough, she was locked out the dead of winter. She sit there. She got and sit down on the back porch and stayed the night there and leaned up against the door. And when he opened the door the next morning, she fell into the kitchen. She beat the snot out of him. She took a baseball bat and just started working on it. You know what she did? She got up and said, Smith, what would you like for breakfast? And got in there and cooked his breakfast. Turn that man's heart to God. The Bible says the husband could be won by the conduct of the wife. Hallelujah. And anyway, uh, uh, he done all these exploits. But I'm telling you something. Here's what my point was. He told her not to do something. She said, no, 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 I'm going to church. Well, she wasn't rebelling. Here's, here's the deal. You can say, well, she rebelled against her husband. No, she submitted to God. I said, she submitted to God. There's a difference. Amen. Come on now. I heard a story about a, a lady that her husband uh, told her. Uh, she she was also the same situation with Smith Wigglesworth and Polly. The same situation, and he told he he said he she he said if you here's what he told her. He pulled out a gun and he said if you go to church, I'm going to shoot you. True story. And she looked at him. He said, "Well," she said this. She said, "Well, if you shoot me, I'm going to heaven. But if you don't, I'm going to church." And she went to church. He didn't shoot her. I'm telling you, there's got to be that kind of a commitment in our lives for God. That kind of a commitment. 
And so he said, wives, you be subject to your husbands in everything. But listen to me. You got to understand something. Listen to me. I cannot. This is not a marriage counseling session. I just want you to know. But he was when Paul wrote this letter, he was writing to Christians. This is a letter to the church. And when he wrote this, he said, here's how you can have a good marriage right here. I'm talking to two people that ought to be in love with Jesus, that ought to be submitted to him, that they ought to have him as the Lord of his their lives. And so when he's saying these things, it's not saying don't do this or don't do that. He said, follow God, basically. And he said, Hus-, then he says this, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. I thought to myself, our kids need to see that we love our wives. Our kids need to see we love our wives. There has to be a loving. I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to have the perfect marriage. You might be somebody said, I got the perfect marriage in here. Listen to me. Me and my wife's got a great marriage. I say a great marriage, but we've had some rough spots in our marriage and our kids saw all that. But through it all, we stayed, we stuck it out. We stayed together. We fought through it. We made it through it. We put the devil in his place and bless God, we're still going on for ever how long Jesus tarries on the earth. We're planning on staying together. We have no intentions of bailing out on this thing right now or never. Huh? Man, our kids probably thought sometimes, oh my God, I wonder if they're going to be together. But but we we made it through. Anybody ever made it through anything in your marriage? Huh? Made it through a few things? Well, your kids also saw what you did but prior to that, but they saw you made it through. You worked it out. You eventually worked it. A marriage is a, it, listen, you, I hate to say it like this, but marriage is a job. You have to work at it. Huh? You got to work at it. If you don't work at it, you ain't going to keep it. You got to work at it. You got to work hard about it. So it said, love, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for. He likens our relationship with our wives as the Christ with the church. He said, love your wives. Love them. Everybody shout, I love my wife. All the men say that. It says in verse 27 that he might present her, the church, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives. Whose wives? Their own wives. Everybody shout your own wife. Say it again. Their own wife. Not somebody else's. Preach. Where did I quit? Got tied up on that. And he says, they ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You say, well, we ain't supposed to love ourselves. Why not? The Bible says we're to love ourselves. If you don't love yourself, how can you love somebody else? It's not, that don't mean arrogance and pride. It don't mean sitting there kissing yourself on the mirror. That's not what he's talking about. Huh? Did you know there's some people don't even respect themselves? 
They're always condemning themselves, putting themselves down. I'll never amount to anything. I can't do this. I can't win. And if they would just change a little, if they could just change a little actions in their life and just change a little bit in their confession and how they look at things and look at themselves. Listen to me. You, you cannot live a life in self, uh, low self-esteem and expect to rise higher than what you're thinking of yourself. You're not going to do it. And it's not saying, well, I love myself. Well, I do love myself, but I'm not putting myself above anything else or God. But I do have to have a great opinion of myself because if I don't have a good opinion of myself, no, how's anybody else going to have one? Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, the devil loves to get in there and give people a self of a, 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 a intimidate them, thinking you're less than what you are, and you'll never amount to a hill of beans. And, and it, it's sad to say, but a lot of people project that into their children when they're kids and say, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never make anything. You'll probably wind up in jail. You'll wind up in prison. There's no telling what'll happen. And sure enough, so many times that happens when word be said, listen to me. And some people say this, you can be anything you want to be. Let me correct that just a little bit. You can say that because we're in America, the greatest planet, the greatest nation on the world. But I tell you, here's what we are to be telling our children. You can be anything God has called you to be. God has a purpose and a destiny for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. He said, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not of evil to give you a future and hope. So bless God, you can be anything you want if it's in the plan and purpose of God for your life. You might can be successful going on your own, but you're going to be more successful going on His will and plan and purpose for your life. I can tell you that right now. Come on now. I get lost in where I'm at. Well, where's that at? <laughs> I'm not on the wall. I'm on my iPad. Okay, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Listen, we got we got to love each other. Amen. For no one ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. He said, listen, you leave your father and your mother and you become one with your wife. You know, it's amazing how your wife takes your name. I mean, when she signs her name, you know what she signs? Linda Ayers. We became one. I mean, 30, 40, 43, 34, it's, it was 30 something years. <laughs> 43 years ago. 43 years. Listen, I found this out. The, the, if you love somebody, marry them. If you look at Hebrews chapter uh, 13, it talks about the marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers will be judged. I'm telling you, sometimes we, we've got this deal that marriage isn't that important. It's important to God. I said, it's important to me. God, listen, it was important for me to marry her, and I didn't even know that scripture was in the Bible. In fact, I didn't know nothing about a Bible. But it was important for me to, for her to have my name and for us to dwell together in holy matrimony. Amen. 
And I didn't even know there was a judgment against adultery and fornication. I didn't know that, but I found out there's a blessing on a marriage in God. Amen? And, you know, you, you kind of destroy it for lack of knowledge and then you're ignorant concerning the things and then you get some revelation you start thinking, hey, this thing can be better than what we even thought it could be. Amen? I'm telling you something. God has graced our marriage and, and blessed us and, and yours too because you're still together. But the thing about it is, you, we, we have to work on it. We have to fight for it because I guarantee you there's a devil out there trying to take it. Huh? I mean, he hates family. You know why he hates family? Because it's God's family. Amen. He, that's why he broke up uh, the, fa- the relationship between Adam and Eve and God. He hated the fact that they had a relationship with God and he did not have a relationship with God after he got kicked out of heaven and booted out of heaven. Wouldn't you, remember Jesus said in Luke chapter uh, uh, 10, uh, 19, I believe it was, he said that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and guess where he would play? He got his little tail kicked down to on the earth. And he hates relationships, he hates God, he hates the family of God, and he does everything he can to destroy the family of God. So that's why we have to be commanders in our family, commanders in our home, to command the devil, you have no right here, you have no place here, you might as well get your butt right out of my house because we're not going to put up with you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Praise God, I'm the head of this household. You have no place here in the name of Jesus. And we're for some other stop to your onslaughts against my family, against my children against my finances, against my health. We're about to stop that in the name of Jesus. God's about to do a work in us. He's working right now in the name of Jesus. And I refuse to let the devil win. I will refuse to let the devil get a victory over me because I always win in Christ. I have the victory in Christ Jesus. We have the victory. And you can have the victory in your families, in your life. But somebody's got to stand up and take that authority and that place that God has given you. Stand up and say, Devil, I'm in authority here and not you. Help me, Jesus. I'm like Linda, I'm sucking air. In Ephesians 6, 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on earth. You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The New Living Translation says of 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Whether bring, rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction from the Lord. And I wrote down here, real men love God and want their children to love Him too. Real men love God and want their children to love Him too. Amen? Amen. Praise God. The, the, one, the, the person you want your kids to love more than anybody else is not you. The one you want your children to love more than anybody else is God Almighty. To love Jesus Christ more than they love anybody else. And that should be every parent's goal is to teach them the value and the importance of loving Jesus Christ. Because Jesus don't settle for half of us. He said that you love Him with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. Amen? And they have to see that example in their fathers and in their mothers.
Am I right? I said, fathers, we should want our children to excel in their relationship with God. Our children need to know that God is the most important person in the world to us. They need to know God is important to us men. He's important, more important than anybody else. My wife does not mind taking second place to Jesus Christ. And she don't mind. um, I don't know which way I said that. And uh, I remember when we got married and I worked offshore and she was she was serving God. And uh, I wasn't at that point in time. I was working seven and seven and we willed out in the country and such as that. And and uh, she started going to church and such as that. And, and how many knows spirit filled church, tongue talking church, Holy Ghost churches? They usually don't get out at twelve and they usually don't get out in an hour, and them starts to go. So she'd go to church and come back late and stuff like that. I finally asked her, I finally thought she was running around on me. And then she admitted she was. She said, yes, I am, with Jesus. I'm going and meeting Jesus, and I'm fine with that. I said, I'm fine with Y'all fine with that? Man, if you're, if, if, if somebody's gonna run around on somebody, it needs to be with Jesus. Why? Because he'll bring them back better than he took them. Huh? They'll come back better than they left. You'll be saying, won't you go run around with him a little bit more? Stay with him. Stay out all night with him if you want. It's all right with me. I'm telling you, God is so good. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. There's a training to our children. And I, let me, listen to me real good. One of their greatest training times is what they're seeing in their parents. They're being trained by what they see. They're being trained by what they hear. Am I right? The Message Bible says point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. The uh, CV, I think that's a contemporary English version, or century English version, one of the two. It says, teach your children right from wrong, and when they're grown, they will, st- they will still do right. And when they're grown, they will still do right. We have those responsibilities as parents and as, as husbands, as, as men, as daddies. And uh, I'm telling you, God wants to see your kids serve Him with all their hearts. I want you to look at Joshua I know Billy can just punch that up in, in a, up on the wall. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it here. Verse 14, Joshua 24, 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But notice what he said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody has to stand up and make that statement. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve the Lord. And I'm telling you, them children will be blessed because of your uh, obedience to the Word of God. 
Our grand, our children, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren need to know we serve God. We, they need to know we serve God. They need to know God is important to us. Let me say, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try to close. So we need to let our children see that God's very important in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, think about it. I can rest easier at night knowing my kids are in the care of God. Can't you? Knowing they're in the care of God. Saying, God, you watch over them, you take care of them, you, you protect them. And knowing that they love God and serve God and they pray. Teach your kids to pray. Teach, the, teach them the importance of it. Teach them the importance of it. I, I think Sarah was in our office the other day talking about her going through the confessions with her kids on the way to school or wherever she takes them. And, uh, and I'm telling you, it's important because I know to kids, they think, oh, come on. And I'm talking about, oh, please, come on. I'm, I know they think it's not important, but one day they'll see the importance of it. Amen? I remember uh, last year, year before, I don't know what year it was, but my, my daughter-in-law, she always does that with my grandsons, and, and she will go into school. They'd have to drive, I think, about eight miles, I think, to get to Buffalo School, and she'll have them going through these confessions and going through these confessions, going through the confession, talking about uh, the, the, the greater seed that's in me, going through all these confessions. And they, they go through them. They just say them confessions. They say the word of God. They declare the word of God. Well, my oldest grandson was being bullied. They were uh, some uh, boys really being mean to him, ugly to him. And, and friends at one time, and they turn, you know, how people are sometimes. They, they think they get bigger than you, so they just want to be bullies to you. But I'm telling you what, we got somebody greater. Anyway, this particular day, they were going to school and, and she was pumping them up. Listen, the Word of God builds you up. Did you know that? It don't just build you up. It'll build your kids up. And so they were getting their faith built up going to school. So he got to school and all of a sudden at lunch, they come in. Here comes them two guys. They come in there and started p- picking on Riley and doing all such as that. And uh, Riley stood up on his feet. He done got the Holy Ghost boldness in him. He stood up and he called this kid by name and he said... Uh, uh, what did he say? he say? It said exactly. I don't know what he said prior to it, but he pointed his finger at him and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he said that kid started going, whoa, Riley! He just started falling back, said, whoa, Riley, hold on, we cool. We good. He never had no problems, more problems with that guy. He didn't have to swing a fist. He just had to point a finger. My Bible says Jesus cast out the devil with a finger, with a word. Huh? And then the other kid started uh, mouthing, and he said, hold on, called him by name and said, you know better than what you're doing. You are supposed to be a Christian. And it changed him too. And now him, them two are real tight buds again. I'm telling you. You said, how did that happen? Because his parents put it in him before he got there that he had greater authority over the devil. And I'm telling you, bullying is nothing but inspired by demon activity. And they're, listen, I'm not calling them kids demon possessed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they're being inspired by an influence of darkness that's trying to torment people, kids' lives. And them kids need to know I am important. They don't have to like me. God loves me. Huh? Listen, nobody on this planet has to love me. God loves me. Are you hearing me? God loves me. Everybody say, God loves me. We get so concerned about who's going to like us or who's not going to like us. Honey, I don't care who likes me, and I don't care who loves me, but I care that God loves me, and I know that God loves me, and that's what matters in my life, and that's what propels me right on down the road. 
Now, y'all love me, I think. I like to be loved, don't get me wrong. But my focus ain't on who's going to like me, who ain't. You do love me, man? I love you, man. (laughs) And I love y'all too. Praise God. But isn't it the truth? You know, when somebody's rude to you, you ought to start going, thank you, Jesus. The Bible says rejoice when they mistreat you and abuse you. Huh? You say, well, I don't want to rejoice over that. No, no, you need to re- not, you're not rejoicing because they're doing it. You're rejoicing because God loves you. And he said, I'll take care of the situation if you'll just give it over to me. Huh? That's what our kids need to know. Trust God. Trust them. Go to school in faith. You go to school covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost, and encamped about by angels. Huh? I'm telling you, uh, when they, they need to see that we, we put value on the word. We put value on the blood. We put value on, on the, on, on the name of Jesus. In closing, we need to be men of our word. Proverbs 27 says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. The New Living Translation says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. Integrity means the entire, the entire un impaired state of anything, particularly of the mind, moral soundness or purity, incorruptness, uprightness, honesty. Integrity comprehends the whole moral character. God wants us to be men of our word and honorable men before God. And it's very important in that. In Titus chapter 2, Titus 2. I know, I know what time it is. I got a clock right up here. We got two minutes before 12. So some of you won't even have to look at your watch. Let me find where Titus is. There it is. There it is. Chapter 2. I bet Billy's already beat me. Verse 6 says this. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Keep your, keep your, keep your word. Keep, be a person of integrity. I wrote this down. We can't expect others to do we can't expect others to do what we're not willing to do ourselves. We need to be the examples. Jesus said in John 13, 15, He said, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus is our example that we should do as He has done to us. Philippians three seventeen says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. You know, as I thought about that where it says the pattern... How many remembers when people, some people made clothes and you could go buy patterns for dresses and stuff like this. And 
I used to see my grandmother, she had this old uh, sewing, sewing machine that you know you put your foot on the pedal and do like that. And you, my mother had one and my grandmother had one. And she'd sit in there and rock that old foot like that. And that old thing would be, I guess, I guess you wanted, could go as fast as you wanted to. And it'd go like that. My grandmother, she'd be rocking that. But she'll take that pattern out of there and cut it out and lay it on that material and, and cut out the legs or whatever she's making and stuff like this. And you could buy it. It was called a pattern. And when they put that pattern down there and cut it all out, sewed it all, it's supposed to look just like that pattern. And most of the time, I'm, I'm sure all the time, it looked just like it. It was a pattern that she went by to make what would fit her. And I'm telling the Bible says we have, we are to be a pattern so somebody can look at our lives and pattern their lives after it. And so much of our children and our friends and our family. And so we need to show ourselves to be a pattern, a person of integrity that they look at you, that we don't lie, we don't tell stories, we don't steal, we don't cheat. They need to see men of God, men of integrity, amen? Praise God. Look, if you will, real quick, my last scripture, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4. Is this all right on Father's Day? You all right with this? Verse 12 says, Paul writing to Timothy, which was a young pastor, he said, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word. And I believe this would fit for every single one of us, not just the men, but women as well alike. It says, But be an example to the believers in word, not just in the Bible, the word that we know, but in what we say in our speech. It says, In conduct, that's how we live, what we do. It says, in love, our care and our love for them. In spirit, how we live in the spirit and walk in the... Bible says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says, in faith, we need to be faith people and in purity, morals. I'm telling God has set examples in the Word. We have His example. We have others' examples. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I'm telling you, people will follow you. People are looking for good examples. Amen? And so, men, I'm telling you, God wants your life to be so blessed. He wants your children to be blessed after you. And so we're just going to allow the Holy Ghost to lead God and direct us. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And we're led by the Spirit of God. And always remember, somebody's looking at you. Somebody's watching you all the time. And so we just walk uprightly before God. We're not going to be perfect. If you watch me long, you'll see me probably make a mistake, mess up. And, uh, but that, that shouldn't, you shouldn't surprise you. We're all human. We can't look at somebody and say, I can't believe they said that. Well, we could say something else that did, probably just as bad, but it didn't seem bad to us. But we got to guard ourselves. Really guard yourself. Guard your lives. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Because I'm telling God wants you to be a witness to everybody you come in contact with. Amen. And your life is the greatest witness you have. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, men, why don't you stand up and let me pray for you. All the, all the daddies, all the, all the fathers. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray right now. You're our heavenly Father. This is Father's Day. And Father, these men chose to be in the house of God today. They made a decision 
to be in church. And so, Father, I pray as their pastor, I pray for the blessings of the Lord to fall upon them today. I pray for strength. I pray for the spirit of integrity, the power of love to manifest itself on behalf of each and every one of us. Father, I pray that you cause health to spring up on the inside of them in Jesus' name. I pray for you to supply every need that they have in the mighty name of Jesus, lacking nothing. I pray that you stir our hearts to love God and to to show and prove to everyone around us that we love God and He's very important in our lives. God, that we'll do exactly as the Word says or work towards that goal is to love our wives the way you love the church. God, to, to speak into our children's lives so if they see us, they see a man that loves God with every fiber of our beings. God, that they see that we put God first and you're number one in our lives. God, that's what we want to leave for our kids. That's what we want our kids to follow. So, Father, today, as we stand in your presence, I pray that you anoint each and every one of us, to live a life godly, a godly life. God, before you, God, that we speak the right things, our conduct or whatever uh, else that, that, that people's watching our lives, God, that you'll help us to get things straightened out. God, we know you're a forgiver, and I ask that you forgive us where we have failed because we have failed. But God, you're the restorer. And I ask you to restore each and every one of us in Jesus' name in whatever area we might need to be restored. And God, deliver us from whatever we might be need delivering from, delivered from today. God, I thank you for the power of God that's being released upon every man, every dad, every father in this house today in Jesus' name because we refuse to leave this house the way we came. God, we thank you that there's a fire ignited on the inside of us that's going to cause a forest fire, that's going to cause a bonfire in our life. We love you, God. I pray that we carry the peace and the joy of God with us everywhere we go. And Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers each and every one. We love you so much and we praise you. And we give you glory for I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated.